Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is UXK. 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 I'm your host, Lee Allen Arredondo. In my career in UX and design in the last 20 plus years, I've been both self-employed and a full-time employee, and I've made that switch multiple times. My business partner in Amplify Alliance, Laura Barboza, has as well. And both of us get asked to meet for coffee and have a chat about freelancing or contracting from UX pros who are interested in doing this. So I thought I'd make a great episode for UX Cake. And who better to talk to you about working as an independent freelancer or contractor than me and Laura? So this turned out to be a two-part conversation. Apparently, we had a lot to say about it. In this first episode, we talk about what it takes. What does it take to be a successful freelancer? How it's different during different parts of your career and how it affects your career over the long run. In part two, which we will record at another time, we'll talk about the more tactical aspects. What are some of the things you should do to prepare how to get work and get work consistently and how to develop professionally? But first, is it for you? Hi, Laura. Hi, Lee. Laura, you have been an independent and you've been a full-time employee, FTE. You and I have been both. So we're going to talk about what it's like to be independent for all those folks who are thinking about it. Those folks who are thinking about, I want to be independent. Maybe I want to be my own boss, which like I'm doing the air quotes, which nobody can see. My own boss, because that's such a fallacy. That's not true. You're never your own boss. But anyway, that's our topic for tonight. Wonderful. Yeah. So there's different ways of being independent. And this is how I've categorized it in my head. And I want to see what you think about these three different buckets that I have in my head. I think that freelance is different from being a contractor, which is different from being a consultant. And we're not talking about like starting your own business where you're hiring other people. We're not even talking about that. So this is like you yourself, you're a solo practitioner there's a tax term for that. So freelance contractor consultant, how would you sort of describe those things? Let's see. So starting with a contractor, my definition of a contractor is someone who gets put on a project for a certain length of time, but you're essentially working full time or at least 40 hours a week or say a given period, say three months to six months, right? And it's an extended contract. A freelancer or freelance gigs to me can be a lot shorter than that. The bulk of my work kind of falls in that freelance category because sometimes I get pulled into projects that really only last about four weeks. Mm -hmm. And then consultants, I define that as a category where like you could be a freelance consultant and a contract consultant. That's interesting because I'm not sure I would have thought of it that way. What are you thinking the consultant piece is then? I guess it it depends on the work that you do. You're coming in or you're being pulled into a project to consult on a particular skill or on an area. 
And so, for example, I call myself a freelance consultant, right? Because I consult on the research side of things. But because of the nature of my work around CX and UX research, I don't usually get long-term contracts. So I'm a short-term consultant, if I can call it that. Yeah. How do you define consultant? Well, okay, that is kind of tricky. I would agree with you both on the freelance and contractor side of things. When I have been independent as I am right now, and a few years back, I was a consultant for a few years. Maybe it had more to do with, I saw myself, well, I represented myself as more of an independent contractor. So a contractor, like in our world, is like what you said, somebody who goes on site and works nine to five, much like an employee would, but there's a specific period of time that they're there. Whereas for me as a consultant, I have gone into these situations where I am, I might be on site actually part-time or at times even full-time depending on the need, but it's almost like you're the pitch hitter. So you're coming in to do is typically maybe at a higher level, possibly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not sure that's always the case, but for me, that's how it's been. And then you're able to take on multiple things. I'm not sure I'm explaining it very well, though. What do you mean by multiple things, like different roles or different projects? Exactly. Different roles or different projects. So you're coming in to help them build something often, right? You're helping them with your expertise. As a consultant, you're you're helping a company understand something in which you have expertise and then probably doing something strategic and then executing on it. Mm -hmm. I was just going to use the word strategy in line with consultants because there's a difference between being brought into a project. Here's what we need you to do do it in this amount of time. Whereas in my consultant experience, they come in and they say, we're trying to figure this out. How do we tackle it? And so not only do I provide the guidance and the strategic overview of how we can carry out the work, but I also do the work, right? I also conduct the research. Yes, exactly. So I think that's what I was alluding to as well. Okay. So I think we have similar definitions then. That said... We're going to be talking about being independent in general, because I think regardless of whether you're freelance, contractor, consultant, I'm not sure that matters for what we're talking about tonight, which is, is it for you? One of the things that that came to mind when I was thinking about this is, do you have the personality for it? You need a tolerance for certain things like ambiguity. What do you think? Are there personality traits that make it more successful or less successful? Yes, I do think that there are some personalities that are better fit for a client-facing role because as an independent person, you have to be comfortable with client-facing situations. You're not just sitting behind a computer and not interfacing with anybody or only interfacing with somebody when you absolutely have to. In a consultant world or in an independent world, there is face-to-face communication when it comes to setting up the project, talking about timelines and budgets, sometimes things like that. When there are kickoffs, like you need to help your client feel comfortable, right? That not only are you the right person for the job, but that it can get done and their questions will be answered or whatever it is that they're trying to do. 
And there's just a lot of like feel good. This is a great partnership type of work. I feel like that goes into freelancing or independent consulting or independent work. What do you mean feel good? So I don't know. I feel like there's a need to make others comfortable. Mm. Right. Oh, yeah. It's about confidence. It's about comfort. It's about looking toward a positive future, making sure that they feel warm and fuzzy inside about the money that they're about to spend on somebody that they have not fully vetted, so to speak, as a full time employee. And being able to talk about outcomes also for some clients more than others, but I think more and more language is coming around to that, like being able to talk about the outcomes that you've seen with previous clients. Oh, but back to personality, this is probably something you could learn or or not, but somebody who's not waiting to be told what to do. Yeah. You have to be proactive. Yes. You have to be proactive and not necessarily need direction from your client because (laughs) your client needs to be guided typically. It could be a little bit different for a contractor who's coming in to a situation in which they're being treated like an FTE. That's right. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like everything that we've spoken about so far, right, the the different ways in which you could be independent, I feel like all of them or the ones that we've discussed being a freelancer versus a contractor versus a consultant, I feel like they all require different personality traits. A contractor could easily work through a third party agency, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then a consultant. And I think that me and you kind of fall into that world more often than not, because we are pulled into projects to be more strategic. And the work of a strategic consultant is very different than the work of a tactical contractor. Yeah, that is true. And to be fair, like a very long time ago, I did a lot of freelance and contract work. I certainly have hired contractors. So if I think about it from that perspective, what makes a good contractor is someone who is okay with ambiguity, can actually get up to speed very quickly and run with things. Typically, you're hiring a contractor because you don't have (laughs) enough resources. So a contractor does still need to be someone who can figure out what needs to be done and then do it. So even if you are at a tactical role. The other thing that came up for me when we're talking about personalities and if it's the right fit for someone is also the aspect of a personality that is associated with, I guess, ambiguity in a different way, right? So something that or a conversation that I always have with others is the fact that some people don't feel they are cut out for independent work because they don't like the uncertainty of not having a paycheck coming in. So you have to have the stomach for it, if you will, right? The patience for it, because it is very true that independent work is feast or famine, as they say. Sometimes you do go a number of weeks, perhaps maybe even months without work. And sometimes you're juggling three projects at the same time. So that lack of consistency, for lack of a better word, does make certain people uncomfortable. And if that makes someone very uncomfortable, the independent work may not be the right thing for them. Yeah, that's a very good point. And also being able to monitor how much work you take. Because feast and famine is not an ideal situation. And so that's something that I have really tried hard to avoid when I've been a consultant. 
With varying degrees of success, I'd say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You certainly learn it, but being able to deal with not having some work and not knowing or working, having work and coming to the end of it, not knowing what you're going to do next and being okay with that, knowing that it's going to happen, it's going to come through. Right. And what's funny is that we talk about this being a personality trait or a personality situation, but it's not that someone can't learn to do that. I feel like it's possible for someone who has had a full-time, consistent, regular paycheck life, I feel like it's possible for them to go into the freelance world. There will be a period of transition where you're kind of trying to like get into the groove of it, right? And not having work is going to feel very scary. But It's not like you can't learn to be comfortable within that situation. I think it's a matter of choice. Some people choose to stay there because the freedom of independent work is worth it, while others just may not be able to live with that uncertainty. And many factors in our lives might influence whether we can or can't. Yeah, which is a point we're going to talk about in just a minute, which is, is it a good fit for where you are in your career or, you know, where you are in your life? But before we get there, I do want to talk about this topic or one more thing that you should consider about your own personality or your own personal likes, dislikes is selling. So anyone who gets a job has to sell themselves. That's part of the interview process. When you are independent, You are selling not just what you do, but you're selling yourself over and over and and over, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like multiple times. So if you're someone who's really uncomfortable and I say this and it's kind of ironic because I really hate selling myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) to an extent, your work can speak for itself, I guess. And that makes the selling a little bit easier. One thing about it is that I believe... I think the interview process is shorter and less intense, but it's more frequent. Yeah. I mean, that is a consideration. I think, again, going back to the idea that it's possible to learn these things, maybe it's uncomfortable at first, but after doing it as often as we have to when we're independent, it suddenly just becomes part of the gig. It becomes part of our life and we may not enjoy it, but we know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a... I don't know, like this automatic, let me go into my spiel mode, right? Yeah, yeah. you've done it multiple times, so. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting topic, right? This idea of like, do I have the personality? Do I have what it takes to be an independent consultant or an independent professional? I'm going to say that for most people, the answer is yes. The real question is, do you really feel like you want to do that? right? Are you willing to put in the work to do that? Because in reality, and and this is the same with full-time work, but being an independent consultant is not easy. There's a lot of glamorous things about it, if I can use the word glamorous, right? What are the glamorous things about it? (laughs) I mean, I think that managing your own schedule is by far the the most glamorous thing about being an independent consultant. It certainly is flexible. That is true. Yeah. I mean, I could argue too that because of the flexibility, suddenly the lines between work and play and life and everything begin to get blurred, right? Because on a Saturday night, you might be checking email, which is probably something that not everybody does as a full-time employee. But the flexibility is nice. You have the opportunity to say, I'm not going to work for the month of June because I'm going on a month-long vacation. 
sometimes we also have the opportunity to choose which projects we work on, right? If we do not, sometimes, right? And this goes (laughs) back to the whole feast and famine thing. If you haven't worked for a while, you take whatever project came your way. But if you have a choice between three different projects, then you might take on the one that sounds more interesting or the, I don't know, the sexiest one if there's particular interests that you have. Best paying one. Well, that too, right? <laughs> and that that too is, is another choice, right? Do you choose to get the more money but have the boring job or the boring gig? Or do you choose the more exciting gig for a little bit less pay? And the, even if you don't get your top choice or whatever, you can do anything for like three to six months or less. Sometimes these gigs are shorter. You can put up with a lot. You can put up with pretty much any <laughs> situation or boring work or interesting work with people who are really hard to work with or the different things that make something fun or not fun. You can put up with it when you know there's a end in three months or six months. You kind of savor the end in those situations. Yeah, sometimes it's, it is what gets you through a project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's really nice. That I think that's another perk, right, of independent work that it's not like you're feeling like you're stuck there forever. It's not like this is just something that you just have to fold into your life and make it part of. It's temporary. Everything is temporary. Right. Yeah, you get to just keep dating for a while. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so let's go to the next topic, which is, is it a good fit for where you are in your career? Which is something that you sort of alluded to. It's not just about where you are in your career. It's also about where you are in your life. Mm -hmm. And maybe those are two different things actually, because like there's the financial part of it. But what I want to talk about is where are you in your career? Because I think the pros and cons matter a little more in some parts of your career. If you're early in your career versus mid career versus later when you're maybe more senior, there are a lot of different implications. Like my own experience, my earliest experience with freelance was before I got into UX. And then as I was transitioning, but I was a graphic designer long, long, long time ago in San Francisco. And so I, for many years actually was a freelance And it's funny because when I finally was able to find full-time work in software design, I was like, I am never doing freelance again. That was in the 90s. I said that. And here it is 2018 and I'm a consultant. So, Well, the nature of your work has changed. Your life has majorly changed. What do you think is the difference between what you hated back then and why you're still consulting today? Well, okay. So yeah, you're right. It was very different back then. What I found problematic was the taxes part. (laughs) That's always problematic, no matter where you are. (laughs) Yeah. Well, honestly, that's not to me now because I have an accountant. Sure. (laughs) Like I hire that out. Like I pay somebody else to deal with that stuff. So that is not such a big deal anymore. The business part of it is not such a big deal deal anymore because you can hire other like when you're further in your career. So for me now, later in my career, the reasons why it's not perfect have more to do with it's harder to get very strategic work. So like those are sort of two ends of the spectrum, like early in your career. It can be a, a great way to get projects for your portfolio, but 
then you're not getting professional development, which you really need when you're earlier in your career. Later in your career, which is where I'm at now, I'm much more senior and more strategic in leadership. And it's hard to find work that meets kind of the strategic or leadership challenges that I'm looking for. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's interesting for me because I feel like because of my career progression, I had no choice but to essentially start as an independent freelancer, consultant even, just having less than a year of UX experience under my belt. So I started as a research assistant, given the employment situation and the economy at the time, I was laid off. And at that point, I basically had to fake it till I made it, right? So I became a a freelancer out of necessity. I had to teach myself a lot at the beginning. So I completely agree with you that at the beginning of your career, it would be really helpful for you to have some kind of mentorship, some kind of examples around you of others who are doing similar things or, or who are just diving or who are working within the, the fields that you're interested in. In my case, I just had to learn it on my own as best as I could. I guess going back to the idea that whether it's easy or appropriate at early, mid or late in your career, I think that there are pros and cons to all three. I think early, obviously, you either have to teach yourself or have a really good foundation or have some kind of training earlier on and just know that you have a lot that you're learning while doing. Mid-level, I think that I don't know if there's like many pros and cons at that point. At that point, you're just really, I believe that in my situation, I was more interested in really working on interesting projects and not necessarily just taking whatever came my way. And that's how I started treating my FTE life too, right? I just, I didn't want to land any other full-time role. I wanted a really interesting one. So that's how I ended up at Nordstrom, things like that, where I was like, I really want to work for this company. It's not just a gig that was offered to me from somewhere random. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting that you're saying that because I I feel like that has been similar to my entries and leaving freelance or consulting has often been about this full-time role is really interesting. Yeah, I'm totally going to take this. And it tends to make you a little bit more picky, maybe, about the kind of work that you get or the kind of work you take, regardless of whether it's full-time or independent. But when I did decide to go back to consulting in 2009 or so, I'd been working at a startup. I was a UX director. It was kind of a, a little bit of a larger startup and we were doing some really awesome stuff. But for me at that point, my kids were little and my youngest was two years old. And so for me, it had to do with the flexibility and, th- and realizing, <laughs> first of all, I was hiring contractors and, and freelancers who were making more than I was basically if if I if they were working full time. So I'm like, okay, hang on a second. <laughs> if I decided to do this and I could work three quarter time and make the same amount of money and have more time with my little kids. And so that was sort of the shifting point for me. That was kind of a, a deciding factor for me at the time. So it wasn't out of necessity. It was a choice. I think 
probably different people who are listening to this might have different reasons that they are considering it. So it's a very personal choice. It's a very it's a very unique situation for all of us. And I know I've talked to plenty of people who thought that they might like it, but they're not sure. Yeah. Lots of people are interested in finding out probably the part two of this, which is going to be like, let's talk about if you've decided this is what's for you, now what? But before we get there, one other thing that I do want to talk about that I think people should think about, because I know I've heard people ask this question, does it affect your career if you want to go back to full-time again later? Some people, like when they're weighing the pros and cons of going independent, maybe right now that's the good thing for me to do because my kids are little or whatever. Is this going to have negative repercussions later? Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Will it? I didn't think so at the time. I think it depends on the level you're at. If you are an IC and you're happy with that, you can continue at whatever level you're at and it's not going to have negative repercussions. That's what I'm saying as a hiring manager. I have hired people who have been both, who have gone contract and full-time. But for my own personal experience, I would say, yes, it did affect my career path. But there's so many things wrapped up with in, in that. I was working less because I had little kids. I wanted to be a mom and... There's a whole conversation going on now about why aren't women moving up the ladder. I did not want that kind of stress. That kind of stress was more than what I wanted as mom. So yeah, it did actually affect where I landed next, even though I'm happy with what I did at Amazon after I was a consultant. But I think that where I landed after those six years was not where I would have been if I'd been working in a FTE role for six years, for sure. It was yeah. I mean, I guess I feel the same. There are times where I feel like maybe I would be closer to a management position right now in my career had I spent the last 10 years working as a full-time employee. Again, going back to this being a very personal choice and it being a very unique thing for everybody, I personally don't really see myself uh, moving into a management path right now simply because I love doing the research work that I do. And there are times where I feel like being a manager will take me away from doing the work and I, I just want to do the work. So if that means that I will remain in an IC position for the next decade, well, then maybe that's that, you know, I might change my mind and want to manage. But right now, I feel like doing the work is what drives me. However, when it comes to moving up or climbing the ladder from a title perspective, I feel like I have been in a quote unquote senior researcher position for longer than I care to be. But that's because I've kind of jumped in and out of the full-time world and the consultant world without really having a ladder to climb. And there are pros and cons to that too, because I guess to some extent, right, say you stay at the same corporation for seven years, every year you might get a small raise. You don't get a title change every year unless something extraordinary is happening. And so it might take you... I don't know, five years to get to levels higher than where you started. 
financially, you might actually not be gaining that much because say, for example, I'm just going to throw a random number out there. Say you get a $2,000 raise every year. As an independent consultant, moving in and out of the full-time world sometimes gives you an upper hand when it comes to your salary. Going back to our conversation about how do you choose a job that is interesting or do you choose a job that pays more? When we factor in the pay, when we factor in the title, when we factor in the type of work and the product or the service that you're working on, all of those things matter and they're a very individual choice. But if money is what matters to you, then maybe it's okay to not climb that ladder from a title or from a nature of the work perspective because you're making more money than you otherwise would have. Not in all cases, but most of the time you could. Yeah, that's true. Although more and more, I'm realizing there are a lot of costs that are changing. So the first time when I was a consultant at that point, my husband was a full-time employee at Microsoft and our benefits were paid for. Those are the things that you need to consider. You know, and now that you say that, Lee, that when we first started working together, I remember you telling me that every now and then you and your husband would switch off. And so one of you would be the full-time employee and the other one would be the freelancer, the contractor, because that way you always had health insurance. And I thought that was so smart, right? Especially because you have children. That was something that I never, ever considered because... This was pre-Obamacare era where like, I didn't even need to have insurance if I didn't want it. So I just, I wanted to say that, that I, I thought that was really smart. You were always thinking about who covered insurance benefits. And obviously that was something that mattered to you. Well, and it is. And especially, well, I think I told you, it was one of the reasons I continued a job that I was maybe less than excited about <laughs> at the time because of maternity benefits and insurance and that sort of thing. But those things actually are becoming more and more important because insurance is becoming more expensive. And also you have to think about retirement. Maybe this is going to be part of like our part two. Like <laughs> if you want to be a independent like if you've decided that, you know, what are all the things you should consider? There are a lot of things to consider about your finances and it's not just salary. It's your total comp. Yeah. It's really a soul searching exercise for anyone who's considering going this route or even returning to full time work if they have gone the independent route, because at the end of the day, again, it's, it's a very personal choice. There are some people who don't really want to worry about retirement. There are people who don't really worry about health insurance. I agree. And I do feel like, so one thing we haven't gotten to at all, and I didn't put this in our outline. I just thought of it. <laughs> was that, is that freelancing and contracting has really changed over the years. I can see it from my viewpoint on both sides as a consultant and as a hiring manager. What is easiest to get are those contracts, the contract positions through those agencies, the talent, creative talent agencies. There are several of them that are global and they pay shit. They really do. They pay shit. I mean, they it's do. crazy. It drives me crazy whenever I've even attempted to go that route in the past oh year God. and they're offering me like a third of what I'm worth. It's like they have not changed what they pay in 10 years. 
It's insane. That's pretty crazy. There are internships out there that will pay as much as a creative agency <laughs> would be would be offering me right now with 10 years experience. Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's nuts. It is. And with all of these people who are coming out of the certificate programs who are a little bit desperate for work, I'm not sure it's going to change, but I honestly don't know why it's so different. Like it used to be that freelancing way, like way back 20 years ago, freelancing was a lofty thing to do. And you, well, I mean, you still can as a consultant. So maybe this is the difference between consulting and contracting and freelancing or whatever, but we have decent hourly rates that actually do pertain to our expertise. We are highly expert at what mm-hmm. we do. And so mm-hmm. people are willing to pay that. For these contract gigs, though, man, it's pretty crazy what they pay. They're obviously paying people who don't have a mortgage in Seattle. <laughs> right, in Seattle. Because I was just going to say that too, right? It's like, it's not that it's an insane, like minimum wage hourly rate. It's that we know the difference between what we can make outside of a creative third-party recruiter and what the third-party recruiter is offering. And it's and also they add 50%. We know that. That's right. But also we have the luxury of being well-connected in the field, having had experience with other independent agencies, right, that are not going through a third-party recruiter and therefore are not giving 50% of the pay to the recruiter. And not everybody has that opportunity, right? If you're just starting out, if you're new to the city, going through a recruiting agency might be your only option. So I'm glad you said that because I do want to say that is not always a bad option. No, I've done it. For sure. Especially if you are trying to make a transition or if, you know, there are a lot of reasons why you might want to do this. The thing is that you are probably going to add something interesting to your portfolio very quickly. And that's a good thing, especially if you are transitioning. That's actually a really good thing to look for. Yeah. I would say too, that in my experience, it was an an unintentional investment for me because taking a job with a third-party recruiter meant that now I had a contact on the other side, right? Not through the recruiter, but who I was working for, who remained in touch with me many, many years later. And so more work came out of that down Mm. the line. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So I feel like there are rules, right? Where like you you should not engage with the client X amount of time after you've met with them through a third party recruiter. But I'm talking like two, three, four years down the line. Those people know how you work. They saw the value that you brought to the table and they will remember you and remain in touch. And if you want to do freelancing later in your career, those are the people that you always want to hit up so that you can have that bank, if you will, when you're no longer full-time working. That's a really good point. Like it's something that we should be thinking about all the time. Like the person that I'm meeting right now, maybe right now, this isn't going to lead to something, but in two or three years. Yeah. And it's a big maybe. You don't know what's going to happen, but it could turn into something really beneficial for both parties, for all parties. Yeah. 
Okay. So I think that we've gotten a lot of really great part one. This is part one. So we've gotten a lot of really good stuff that we have got on the table for people who are considering going independent. And we're going to have a part two, which is if you've decided to be independent, what are the next steps? All right. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Lee. Okay, all you up and coming freelancers and independent UXers, if you still have more questions about this or comments or suggestions for others, send it to us at UXCake on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Today's show notes and some resources for freelancing are at uxcake.co. And as always, thanks for joining us for a slice of UX Cake and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a bite.